0: Good morning everybody. It's so great to see you here today. If you want to get your Bibles out with me, we're starting this new series here today that we are calling Overwhelmed. And I've been saying um, to almost everybody I've been talking to that as we've been preparing for this Overwhelmed series, I have been absolutely overwhelmed um, I am really excited, though, about this series because we're going to be, over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at the topics of anxiety and depression and stress and the, the dark night of the soul as well as a thing called, um, this, this, the thing that happens in, in our spirit uh, that we call the dark night of the soul. And in the fourth week, we're actually going to talk with a mental health expert um, about some of these challenging issues that I think are facing so many of us, especially in our culture today. And I am very aware, I mean, I I realize that these are absolutely enormous, huge issues that we're talking about. And the reality is we may not be able to solve all of your struggles in these short few weeks um, of these issues that we're addressing. But my prayer and my hope for every single one of us is that this will open the door for us to be known in our struggles instead of just hiding it, instead of pretending like we're okay to actually open this door for us to talk about it and to talk about these struggles that we have and to better care than for one another. Because if the gospel of Jesus Christ is anything, it is an invitation to be known and to be fully known and to be fully loved by a Savior who offers us hope through his broken body on the cross and through His broken body, right here, which is all of us. And the reality is that there is healing in community. Isolation, loneliness, separation, is perpetuates the struggles in our life. But there's actually healing in a community. And so, more than anything, my desire for you is that that you'll be able to connect in one of these groups. As you saw their announcements. You saw up in the foyer. This is Group Sunday, and these are all the different groups that are out here in the Lake Travis area. If you go online, um, you'll find them all through the One Chapel area, which called way down to Kyle and San Marcos and and Buda, and then all the way up north um, to Liberty Hills and Round Rock and all all those different places um, throughout the Austin area. As well, you should have received one of these when you came in. Anybody didn't get one of these? I want to make sure you... If you didn't get one of these, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you didn't get one of these. Ushers, if you'll help me. um, Hand these out to the people who don't have these in their hands. I want to make sure you have one of these in your hand because there are so many resources. Not only can you take notes... On the sermon here this morning, but there are just so many resources that we wanted to put into your hand. On the back, there's all these resources in the Austin area and national resources. As well, we have groups that are specifically designated over these next five to seven weeks that are going to be going through this these topics that we're talking about here. And, and I want to highlight just um, one of those here. If you look in, inside with Overwhelm Groups, there's a group called Lifeline. And this is a really specialty group. If this is something... That it's affecting you or your spouse or your kids or your parents in any of these areas we're talking about depression and um, any of those categories or anxiety and and the, the, all the stuff that surrounded this that specific group is going to go even further into this and and so I want to encourage you bring your friends bring family members that, that are, are really struggling in this area because I think this group is going to be a really great help for you as well we have all these other groups that are basically taking what we're talking about here on a Sunday and bringing those and and have those conversations go even further into those groups and so those are the ones that are listed right here. These are all of the groups and so these are all the different ones that are happening during the week and on all these different days and so you can look at all the groups that are happening and and my hope is that you'll connect with one of these and really invest in your emotional, spiritual, um, physical and mental um, health here. Today we're going to talk about anxiety And I want to give you a definition of this. Max Ocato, in his book *Anxious for Nothing*, which by the way is just an excellent resource for you, and I encourage you if you haven't read that book, he describes anxiety this way. Listen how he describes it. He says a a low-grade fear, an edginess, a dread, a cold wind that won't stop howling. It's not so much a storm as the certainty that one is coming, always coming. Sunny days are just an interlude. You can't relax, can't let your guard down. All peace is temporary, short-term. It's not the sight of a grizzly, but the suspicion of one or two or ten. Behind every tree, beyond every turn, inevitable. It's just a matter of time until the grizzly leaps out of the shadows and bears its fangs and gobbles you up along with your family, your friends, your bank account, your pets, and your country. There's trouble out there, so you don't sleep well. You don't laugh often. You don't enjoy the sun. You don't whistle as you walk. And when others do, you give them a look. That look. That, are you naive? You may even give them a word. Haven't you read the news and heard the reports and seen the studies? Airplanes follow the sky. Bull markets go bare. Terrorists terrorize. Good people turn bad. The other shoe will drop. Fine print will be found. Misfortune lurks out everywhere. It's just a matter of time. Anxiety is a meteor shower of what-ifs. What if I don't close the sale? What if we don't get the bonus? What if we can't afford braces for the kids? What if my kids have crooked teeth? What if crooked teeth keep them from having friends a career or a spouse? What if they end up homeless and hungry holding a cardboard sign that reads, My parents couldn't afford braces for me? Anxiety is trepidation, it's suspicion and apprehension, life in a minor key with major concerns, perpetually on the pirate's ship's plank, you're part Chicken Little and part Eeyore. The sky is falling and it's falling disproportionately on you. As a result, you're anxious, a free floating sense of dread hovers over you, a call across the heart, a nebulous hunch about things that might happen sometime in the future." Anxiety and fear are cousins, but not twins. Fear sees a threat. Anxiety imagines ones. Fear screams, get out, get out. Anxiety ponders, what if? It's an interesting description, right? And I think the reality is that anxiety is this tendency to live in the worry of the future instead of the reality of the present. And chances are that you or someone who you love seriously struggles with anxiety. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, anxiety disorders are reaching epidemic proportions. In any given year, nearly 50 million Americans will will feel the effects of panic attacks, phobias, and other anxiety disorders. Edmund Bourne, who's the author of the Anxiety and Phobia Workbook, he says that anxiety disorders in the U.S. are the number one mental health problem among women and are second only to alcohol and drug abuse among men. Isn't that interesting? Taylor Clark, who's the author of Nerve, Poise Under Pressure, Serenity Under Stress, and The Brave New Science of Fear and Control, he says that the United States is now the most anxious nation in the world. And he goes on to say that stress-related ailments cost the nation $300 billion every year in medical bills and lost productivity, while our usage of sedative drugs keeps skyrocketing. Just between 1997 and 2004, Americans more than doubled their spending on anti-anxiety medications like Xanax and Valium from $900 million to $2.1 billion. Hey, everybody. Congratulations. The nation of the home and the brave has now become the nation of stress and strife. This is the culture that we now find ourselves in. And the reality is that this is a huge problem facing so many of us. And the causes are numerous. There's consumer anxiety. And consumer anxiety is being caused by what is known as decision fatigue because there's just so many options out there in the world around us. There's thousands of different brands that are being marketed to you really every minute of our lives through all sorts of media outlets. But do we really need 25 different types of mustard or 40 different brands of toilet paper? I mean, it's just all so overwhelming, all of these choices that that we're having to face. There's also career anxiety. And career anxiety is the challenge of the challenging landscape that's happening in our economy and all the engines and the options that are related to that. And so it can be so hard to find a job in our, in our economy today that actually fits you. And not only that, so many people live in fear of losing their job because the competition is fierce. And then to top all of that off, the pace of our work life is fevering. There's, it, it's troubling to any of us that affects us deeply in our souls. Then there's comparison anxiety, and comparison anxiety is this old age age idea of kind of keeping up with the Joneses. We're all aware it's been around forever, but the difference now that in our culture, the Joneses are flaunting their stuff everywhere. It used to be that we just had to deal with the marketing of, of all that stuff that's around us, but now you have to endure the social media onslaught of Pinterest perfect lives, that we're constantly being, being forced to look at. And then there's connection anxiety. And connection anxiety is the sad reality that loneliness is an epidemic in our culture today, even though we are more connected in the world than we have ever been in the history of the world. We all want community desperately. But we don't always know how to get it or we're not always willing to pay the price, what it takes to be able to be connected. And so I think most of us, we're starving for meaningful friendships. And then that creates this own anxiety where we begin to suffer in silence. And then there's contentment anxiety. And contentment anxiety is this general overall sense of wanting more. And this idea that if I just had more, if I just had this then I would really be happy. But we're trapped because we spend all that we earn. We, we don't live within our means and we're in debt and up to our eyeballs. These are the different causes that are out there that are stimulating so much anxiety in our culture today. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel your blood pressure rising just a little bit as we're talking about these things? I mean, it's, it, it's affecting every single one of us. And these, I just mentioned, these would fall into the category of what's called general ana, uh, general, generalized and anxiety disorder. And the reality is that these are things that probably every single one of us are facing in one way or another. But then, then there are even more serious anxiety disorders like panic disorder, social phobia, anxiety disorder with depression, obsessive compulsive disorder... There's this post-traumatic stress disorder, and there's all, all sorts of eating disorders. These are really the more serious ones that are affecting so many people today. We live in a culture that's surrounded with anxiety, and none of us are immune. The problem, I think, in, in so much of this is that so often, so, for so many of us, we feel like we should be exempt from a life of worry and anxiety, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You shouldn't be dealing with this stuff, right? There should be more peace in your life. And so as a result, we feel bad when we start to feel anxious. And then as a result, that makes us be more anxious. <laughs> I mean, you see the problem in all of this. And so what is, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Apostle Paul, he wrote this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. <laughs> I think most of us, we look at this verse and we think, you know, I think the Apostle Paul was completely disconnected from reality. I mean, do not be anxious about anything. I mean, really? Is that even possible? I mean, be less anxious. I think that's a little bit more realistic. Wouldn't you agree? Be less Anxious—that's more realistic. I think we, we can handle that, or or be anxious only on Thursdays, <laughs> you know, or be anxious only when you're facing serious problems or circumstances. I think for most of us, those are those are things we could probably accept. That feels like more more of a realistic goal here. But when we read this, it doesn't look like the Apostle Paul is giving us much leeway here in this verse. I mean, it, it looks like he's saying be anxious for nothing zero not a be anxious never never be anxious that 's what it looks like here, but actually that 's not what he is saying here because the verse when he 's writing this when paul paul wrote that that phrase he 's writing it in the present active tense, which implies this ongoing state of anxiousness, in other words. A life of perpetual anxiety is really what he's putting his finger on. And so a paraphrase of this verse might sound something like this. Don't allow anything in your life to cause you to be in a perpetual state of worry, angst, or emotional distress. That really is what he's talking about here in in, in this verse. Max Lucado, he says it this way. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable. But the prison of anxiety is optional. that is really important, I think, for every single one of us to understand, because anxiety is not a sin it 's an emotion. so you don 't need to be anxious about being anxious. Now, what is the scriptural point of view about, that God gives us? How do we address when our hearts are weighed down with worry and anxiety well, it 's found right here in Philippians chapter four and the rest of these verses. So look at this again, starting in verse six. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Listen to this. But in every situation, my prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, I want you to notice right here in the middle of this passage that he gives us a promise. And it's a promise of peace. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he's echoing the words that Jesus gave us in John 14, verse 27, which says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you I do not give to you as the world does but do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus is promising a peace that can settle your troubled hearts. He's promising you a peace that is beyond what the world could ever give you. It's a peace that will not be taken away. How many need more peace in your life? I'm raising two hands here. All of you who are not raising your hand, you don't need any more peace in your life, you're good. How many need more peace in your life? This is, this is God's promise that he wants to give us peace. And listen, look at at the definition. He says, a peace that surpasses. In other words, it goes beyond what you're seeing right here, beyond the situation that you're facing, that you can actually have peace that covers your heart and your mind. And here in this passage, I believe Apostle Paul gives us kind of three practices for walking in that peace. Number one, talk to God about every situation. Talk to God about every situation because he loves the sound of your voice. Look at verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I love how the message paraphrases this verse. It says it this way. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. See, God wants to hear your voice. He loves it when you talk to Him. And there's something incredible that happens when we do that. I, I have four kids, and uh, there's absolutely nothing like the sound of little kids' voices. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. My favorite years were our kids we had four kids, and my favorite years when they were growing up with ages two, three, four, and five. My absolute favorite they don't get any cuter than that. you know what I'm saying? They are the cutest that they'll ever be at ages two, three, four and five. And not only is that, their voices are absolutely amazing. You know where they have these little kind of squeaky little voices and they're raspy and almost with a little bit of speech impediment attached to it. Come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about. There is nothing like just that little kid's voice. And as parents, you know, we just couldn't get enough of it. I just loved hearing their voice. But the reality was every one of our kids, when they started hitting their teenage years, those middle school years, all went through a silence time, right? It's like they lost their voice. They can no longer talk with mom and dad. And so Courtney and I were always wondering what they were thinking and wondering if they would ever talk to us again. And our hearts would ache just to be able to hear them and what they were going through for them to talk to us. But finally, every single one of them finally came out of that quiet stage, that silent stage, and they began to talk a little bit more. And they would come in late at night after being out with their friends, and they would come into our room and lie down on our, on our bed and, and want to start talking. The only problem was now, now I'm tired, <laughs> you know? Like, I, I want to talk with you, but this, this is late. I don't know why it has to be so late when they want to talk to you, but it was so worth it. Courtney and I absolutely love it when our kids talk with us, especially when we begin to hear what's going on in their heart and when things are troubling in them as they bring us into those situations. My point in all of this is God is exactly the same. He loves to hear our voice. He loves it when we talk to him. And there's an incredible miracle that begins to happen when we begin to share everything that we're going through with God. As we do that, your anxiety actually decreases. Here's the second practice that Paul talks about, and that is thank God in every circumstance. Thank God in every circumstance because his goodness will Prevail. Verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Notice he says, in the conversation with God, add thanksgiving to this. Why? Gratitude is a major ally in overcoming anxiety in your life. And you have to understand that that gratitude is actually, that God gives us something to actually come alongside of you in your battle against anxiety. Because what gratitude does is that it reinforces God's creative sovereignty in your life. What gratitude does, it acknowledges that God really is in charge. You're not in charge. The world's not in charge. The economy's not in charge. The government's not in charge. The president's not in charge. Iran, Iraq, they're not in charge. God is actually in charge. Gratitude re- changes that focus on God's goodness and His faithfulness and His kindness. And here's the miracle that begins to happen. As you begin to express gratitude in the middle of what you are going through, your mind can't be full of God and at the same time be full of fear. It's biologically impossible. So as you fill your mind with gratitude, it actually pushes fear and worry and anxiety out of your brain. Now, I'm not talking about... Thanking God for every situation you're in—that's not what Paul's talking about here. That would be silliness. That would be ridiculous. That's abusive. He says it doesn't. He's not saying thank God for this difficulty. Thank God for this problem. Thank God for this death. So many people get this one wrong. That's not at all what he's saying here. The Apostle Paul is saying that in the midst. In the midst of what you're going through, let your heart begin to think about how grateful you are in the middle of what's going on here because you know that God is right there. He's in the middle of it. You're reminding yourself. He's in the middle of that challenge, in the middle of that difficulty. He's right there in the middle, Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you'll get that one promise from God, that he's right there in the middle of it, that he'll actually, in the middle of that, do something spectacular, something amazing for you, right there in in the middle. He's not the cause of those difficulties, but he'll insert himself in the middle of it and do something spectacular for you. And then finally, the third practice for peace is this. Think about what you think about, (laughs) Think about what you think about because every toxic thought can be replaced. Every toxic thought can be replaced. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's an interesting challenge, right, that the Apostle Paul is giving us here that we're actually to think about such things. Dr. Mike Mariano, who's a counselor, speaker, and author of Freedom from Anxiety and Depression, he he says it this way. The science of psychology examines our thoughts and behaviors in the relationship. Sometimes we have a tendency to minimize our thoughts and dismiss their effect on our well-being. We say or hear things like, that's all in your head. When it comes to battling anxiety and depression, it's very important to understand that your thoughts and thinking patterns play a major role in shaping your struggle. Your thoughts can affect your physiology, your emotions, and your actions. He's talking about an equation that is so imperative that you and I understand in our battle against anxiety. And that equation is this: thoughts plus feelings equals actions. Thoughts plus feelings. Equal actions. In other words, belief always precedes behavior. Brain research scientist Dr. Caroline Leaf in her book, Switch on Your Brain, The Key to Peak Happiness, Thinking and Health, which by the way is fabulous. I recommend that to every single one. She has this website, this 21 Days of Brain Detox that is just so valuable to help you. She says it this way. She says, if you realize how powerful your thoughts are, you would never think a negative thought. Thoughts are real, physical things that occupy mental real estate. Moment by moment, every day, you are changing the structure of your brain through your thinking. When we hope, it's an activity of the mind that changes the structure of our brain in a positive and normal direction. When you objectively observe your own thinking with a view to, compare, to capturing rogue thoughts... You, in effect, direct your attention to stop the negative impact and rewire healthy new circuits into your brain. That's so good, everybody. And actually, the Bible completely agrees with that, which came first. If you didn't know, second corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes god and break through every arrogant attitude that's raised up in defiance of true knowledge of god. Listen to this, we capture like prisoners of war every thought And insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we're armed with such a dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion. He's talking about rebellious rogue thoughts. We're there to hold those captive as soon as you choose complete obedience. It's this transfer of thought, what we're doing. What are we holding on to? My mom used to always say this, that you can't determine what birds fly around your head, but sure can determine which ones nest in your hair. And it's such an important principle because that's how thoughts are. Thoughts are like thoughts, are like birds that are flying around and through your head. You can't determine what those thoughts are. But you can determine which ones lodge in your brain and stay there nesting it. That's what he's talking about here. Now look at this promise one more time in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God... Which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so, as you talk to God about everything, and as you thank God in everything that you're going through, and as you think deeply and meaningfully about what's going on and what you're thinking about what's going through your head, the more you do that, the less anxious you'll be, and the more you'll be filled with God's peace. Because, look what he says. That actually will become a fortress around your brain and around your emotions, protecting you from all those destructive thoughts. He says this and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Look at what he's saying. He said, God will actually take responsibility. He takes responsibility for your heart, for your mind, for your emotions, for those who put their faith and trust in him. That's what he wants to do with every single one of us. And as as the old hymn describes, that he is this mighty fortress. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. This is what God wants to become for every single one of us. We're going to discuss a lot more of this in our overwhelmed groups this week and and I, like I said before, I want to encourage you more than anything. Please, 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 please find a group to jump into. These are the ones that are going through the overwhelmed stuff. We'll be relating it these next five weeks. Invest in your mental health. Invest in your emotional health. Invest in your spiritual health. Take this journey here together. Now, one of the things that I want to do as we are going through each of these topics, I want you, I want you to be able to hear from somebody who is on this journey. And so today I've asked Jan Willoughby to share for a few moments. And so, Jan, why don't you come up here, if you would please? Put your hands together as Jan comes here.
1: Good morning. I am one of the pastors here at One Chapel, and I have been diagnosed with generalized anxiety and agoraphobia. Agoraphobia is an anxiety disorder that involves intense fear and anxiety of any place or situation where escape might be difficult. I developed this from a combination of things, which includes um, seven years of a disability from a back injury. And during that time, I never wanted to leave my house, was extremely isolated, and had no relationships with people or Jesus. My life consisted of watching TV, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, and being heavily medicated. Then I had an encounter with Jesus, which started me on an interesting healing journey. At first I learned that I needed to deny all symptoms and claim that I was healed. Then I would feel good all the time and have no more struggles. I mean, doesn't Philippians 4, 6 say, do not be anxious about anything? I thought, okay, this means I can never be anxious, right? All this got me was more anxiety, denial and condemnation. And by the way, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is because I thought that freedom meant the absence of struggle and that if I struggled, something was wrong with me. So I hid the fact that I was still isolated and have such a hard time in public. Thankfully, I found one chapel who provided me a safe, non-judgmental community that has allowed me to be myself and receive the unconditional love needed to heal over time. Joining this community has enabled me to see that freedom is not the absence of struggle; it's having joy despite it, and that God doesn't want to fix me; He wants to love me. That is why 1 John 4:18 says, "His perfect love casts out fear." Today, I still struggle with anxiety and agoraphobia, but not near as much as I used to. I'm off disability; I can leave my house. I have a great job and significantly less heart racing shortness of breath and stress because Jesus is using my struggles to make me more like him because I continuously invite him into them. I've allowed my community here at one chapel into my struggles and most important, I have a close relationship with my heavenly father. God is truly using what the enemy intended for evil for good. I am a pastor here. I also lead one chapels free forever and listening prayer ministry And I'm a social worker at Austin's um, state mental health agency, Integral Care. He has truly exchanged beauty for ashes. If God can do this for me, he can most definitely do it for you. God doesn't want to fix you. He wants to love you. And it's in that loving relationship and community where your healing happens. I want to encourage you to allow One Chapel into your healing journey like I did. And today happens to be the perfect day for that since this group Sunday. And per the eloquent words of Lisa Kirby, we may not resolve your struggle in a few short weeks, but perhaps we will open the door to a safe place to be known in our struggles and better able to care for one another. Because if the good news of Jesus Christ is anything, it is an invitation to be fully known and fully loved by a Savior who offers hope through his broken body on the cross and his broken body in the church.
0: Amen. Come on, everybody. As you can imagine, even sharing our stories of struggle, think about it, your struggles with anxiety come up here on stage and let's talk about it, right? I'm just so proud of Jan and her journey, what she's been doing, and the, the key in her journey is that she stopped hiding, and she stopped trying to do it by herself, and that's, and that's why I, I'm begging you, let people into this journey. You don't have to do this by yourself. Our lives are messy, and I think the church has done everybody a, a disharm in making you think like you have to be perfect. We're not perfect, and all of us are, have messiness in our lives. And so this, this is a call to bring people into that, and so you don't have to struggle, you don't have to struggle alone. Part of what we're doing here in this five weeks is we've rearranged the services so that we can put worship at the end. Because there's, I think, something that happens, whether you're struggling with depression, whether you're struggling with anxiety, or all these whole lists of things that can just weigh you down, the worries and the fears, is that a lot of times you just don't feel like you need Jesus. But the reality is that you need Him. You absolutely need Him. You may not want Him in those moments, but you need Him. He's your lifeline. And it reminds me, I was telling the worship team earlier this morning, it reminds me of the Old Testament story of Saul and David. And there was a season in King Saul's life where he was incredibly tormented. Tormented with anger. Tormented with disappointment, fear, anxiety, depression. But when David would come in and begin to worship, it's like all of that receded And the peace of God stepped in to that torment that Saul was going through. And so I've asked the worship team to just lead us in worship. And you may not feel like worshiping. Fine. Just let it soak in you. Let the presence of God just begin to soak in your feelings and your emotions and your thoughts. And let him begin to displace those worries that you're going through right now. As well... We have a ministry team that's always up front to pray with you. And they're going to be up here on the corners. And so please feel free just to come up and while, we're, while this is happening, to grab a hold of somebody and say, please pray for me. This is what's going on. I need you to pray. I need you to pray for me. Let them release. You may not be able to pray for yourself, but somebody can step in and pray for you. So if you would, stand up on your feet, if you would, please. And Father, I pray for every single one here in this room. Father, you know every thought, every worry, every concern, everything that's weighing people down. You know the, the anxiousness of our hearts, the worry of our hearts. But Father, I'm so grateful that we're not just victims of circumstances, victims of our emotions, victims of our thoughts, but that you actually come right in the middle of that and that you're bigger than every one of those things. And so, Father, I pray for the release of your peace, your shalom, that perfect peace that casts out fear, that casts out those worries. Father, we invite you, I invite you to come and work in every one of our hearts and our minds right now, in Jesus' name.